Don't you love Jesus today? Amen. What an awesome God we serve. He, he does, you know, what, what a week we've had. I, I mean, uh, I don't know if any of you got to catch uh, Billy Graham's funeral at all, his celebration of life. Uh, I, I was able to watch a replay of it. Just, just some powerful moments. Um, stand in awe of what God has done but I'm excited about what he's going to do. Uh, Billy Graham's gone to his eternal reward, but I believe there's another Billy Graham. There's somebody else who will carry on the tradition, the, the, the evangelism, the, the passion that, that he so exuded in his life. And may the Lord help us and, and spark something in us that will take us to a level that that people will stand up and take notice. I think we saw this week also the power of the wind. Yeah. In fact, yesterday, uh, we didn't get power back here at the church till, till the afternoon, and we weren't even sure we were going to be able to have church here today because uh, it just wiped things out. Uh, at our house, we lost... We lost power, but but I lost my internet, my telephone, and my my television stuff. Right, the brains died. <laughs> it runs all that, and and as we were, you know, power was out. We had had to leave the church because it couldn't work here. So as as I went home, and we still had power at home until later in the afternoon on Friday. And the power went out, and we realized we don't, we're not prepared for this. You ever been unprepared? You know, and, and what I want to tell you today is don't let the second coming of Jesus Christ catch you in that frame of mind where you're unprepared. You're, you're like, whoa, I, I, I wasn't ready. Jesus said, be ready. Be ready at all times. So today, we begin a, a brand new series entitled Grow. Somebody say grow. grow. We're going to grow. And everything that's healthy grows. Did you know that? If you're healthy, you grow. And, and God designed us to grow in every season of life. It's interesting to me that as as we pulled into our driveway sometime this week, I, I was shocked to see uh, things shooting up out of the ground. Like, seriously? Green things, right? Like they're flowers. I don't know if they're crocus or if they're daffodils. We don't know. They're coming up. And then they got a big shock on, on Friday and Saturday. They're like, whoa, I don't think we're supposed to be here yet. <laughs> Yikes. But even in the winter season, and I love how winter always precedes spring. There has to be a winter in your life in order for supernatural growth to happen in you. And we can grow through anything if we'll allow ourselves to. 
because God designed us to grow. And a lot of times it's, it's us that stunts our own growth. God designed us to grow, but, but here's the tragedy. Some people in the Christian life, they've been Christians for many years, but they haven't grown very much. You know, they're not healthy. And I know people in their 50s, 60s, even 80s that have matured physically, but they're still acting like they're two years old. They still need to be bottle fed, have their messy diapers changed. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, that's not you, right? We look like adults on the outside, but on the inside, we're staying immature. We refuse to grow up and mature. And, and here's the deal. A lot of us come up against something we don't like, and so we pout, throw a fit, pack our bags, leave home, and, and, and in the Christian realm... We bounce from church to church to church to the next one, from one family to the next. We transplant ourselves whenever we get our pants in a wad. I, I know you don't know anybody like that. But here's the deal. Instead of growing up, we just keep going around the same mountain again and again, and again, we stay the same place, we stay in the same rut, and we never grow up. And I believe it's time that, that we grow up. We never learn the lessons that lead to growth and maturity. We don't want to learn them because it's all about us. We're always looking for something new that will satisfy me. And, and the Christian life somehow becomes all about us and our preferences and what we want, and so we don't grow up. And now, if you've ever had a kid, you know they come out of the womb all about them. They're not looking at the mom going, Mom, thank you so much for carrying me for all these months and... I just love you so much and and I'm just going to I'm just going to love on you all the time. No, they come out there. Ah, I want some food. Feed me. Now, I'm hungry. Change me. Are you kidding? You're letting me sit here like this? And and it just gets a little bit worse and worse and worse. Until we teach them, life isn't all about you, okay? I believe it's time that we as a church, and I'll just say me, we need to grow up. And I want to help you grow spiritually. Amen? And something we all need to know, we need to know that adversity has the ability to bring the greatest growth in our life. If we're willing to grow through it. 
And adversity is the thing that most of us try to stay away from. And I, I thought about it this week, and I, I thought, you know, looking back over my life, not in the moment, but looking back now, some of the, the worst times of adversity in my life have brought the greatest growth and maturity. I wouldn't have chosen that. I, I would not have said, sign me up for that. But as I allowed God to take me through something, through a, a winter season, and stayed pliable through it all, that's when the greatest growth came. And I saw myself going farther than I ever thought possible. It's interesting that a seed does not grow unless it first dies. Did you know that? Seeds can't grow. They can't become what they're designed to be unless they die first. And, and Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, right? And, and as we die to ourselves, we, we trade us and our thing for all that he has for us, for what he's planted in us and what he wants to bring forth out of our lives. So we die to ourselves, we come alive to him, and then we grow into all that he's planned for us. I love this, this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. In the last line, he says, we are far too easily pleased. And I wonder if in my life, I've been so pleased with this immature lifestyle because I can't comprehend what God has for me. And so I get myself stuck as a kid and I don't grow up and I don't receive all that God has for me. And so I'm playing with all this stuff that, that's just useless. It's, it's wasting my life away. And God has so much more for me if I just put away childish things, and grow up. Are you with me today? Sometimes we get so comfortable in our immaturity that we can't imagine all God has for us. So how do I grow? How do we grow? How do I grow? I want to take a look at Jesus today in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. It says in verse 41, the New Living Translation, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. It was, it was something they did every year. It was a habit. It was part of their lifestyle. And when Jesus was 12 years old, so this means Jesus has already gone to the temple with them for 11 years. This is his 12th time to go probably. Maybe he had gone before. Yeah, he had because he went to the purification time where he was circumcised. 
And, and yet here Jesus is at 12 years old and they attended the festival as usual. Now let me just tell you that sometimes in our life we do things as usual. They become habits. And there are some usual habits that are good for you. And then there are some usual habits that aren't so good. And those we need to break. And the good habits we need to ingrain in us to the point where it's just natural. We don't have to think about it. I don't have to wake up in the morning and think, what should I do right now? I have a go-to. It's, it's every morning. I flip my phone on, and I read the Word of God. I don't have to say, man, I wonder what I should be doing right now. No, it's, it's the first thing I do. It's, it's a habit. It's, it's what I do as usual. When, when Sunday rolls around, I'm not sitting at home going, well, I wonder what I should do today. I don't know. Got a bunch of options. No. As usual, I find myself in the house of the Lord. It, it's a usual. I don't have to think about several things in my life when we come up against situations, I'm not saying, what should we do? I'm saying, let's pray. We need to ask the Lord what to do right now. We need his wisdom. It's not something I have to think about. It's just as usual. Tell your neighbor, get, get some usual stuff going on that's good. The good stuff. Get in some good habit patterns. So when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, <laughs> They finally discovered him in the temple, oh, as usual, in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. He was in the temple, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard of him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. And then he returned to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. He returned with them, and he obeyed them. And then verse 52, Jesus grew. Somebody say, Jesus grew. Even our Lord and Savior needed to grow. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. He grew. 
And we don't know all the details. Alicia Brett Sholee talks about the hidden years of Jesus' life. We get a glimpse in his birth. A couple years later, we see the wise men showing up, and he's a baby. We see the, the, his circumcision and his dedication at the temple. And then when he's 12, he shows up again. And then he disappears from our view until he's about 30 years old. What's he doing? He's with his parents and his family, and he's obeying them. What a novel idea. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with all the people. How did that happen? It happened in the family. <laughs> I know, right? Wow, what a brilliant concept. It happened in the family. God came from heaven to earth into a family. Now, it would have been a whole lot easier just to show up as 30-year-old Jesus. Hey, I'm here, follow me. But he grew in the family. God came in a family. In the families where he learned everything he needed for life. He learned how to handle conflict, how to handle relationships. He learned how to obey and honor his parents. Some of you teenagers need to learn this. You need to grow up. Are you hearing me? I didn't hear you. Are you hearing me? In the family, Jesus learned how to get along with people. He learned how to manage his emotions. He learned how to make decisions. He learned how to handle finances and business dealings with integrity. He learned and he grew in how to work and add value to the family, not just to be a taker, but to be a contributor. Where did he, he learned this in the family. He learned how to handle every situation in life. He learned the scriptures. He grew in his understanding as his family talked about the things of God while they were walking along the road, while they were sitting at home. He learned at bedtime, and he learned when he got up in the morning about the scriptures because that's what Deuteronomy taught his parents to do. And so they did. And he learned this in the family. The family of God is vital for you to grow up in. Psalm 92 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. That's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to flourish. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God and they will still bear fruit in old age. 
They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Now listen to me. We damage ourselves when we keep transplanting ourselves into another family. I don't think you heard me. We do damage to ourselves when we keep transplanting ourselves into another family. I know there's a time to leave a church. I know that. And I know there's a time to stay. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. But a lot of times we, we will run away from things because we just don't like it. And instead of sticking around and allowing God to grow us through the mess, we take off. Let me find another family that will treat me the way I want to be treated. Proverbs says, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you'll listen to correction, you grow in understanding. God has placed leaders in the house, in the family, to help you grow. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says it this way in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And when we look at each other, we'll go like, you look like Jesus. You're acting like Jesus. That's what Jesus would do. Amazing. And he goes on, he says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's why we're here. And you have a family that wants to help you grow. Look at your neighbor and say, stay planted in the house of the Lord. Stay planted in the house of the Lord. Don't run from conflict or discipline. It's for your good. Grow up. Grow. Come on. How else can I grow? Well, secondly, by daily reading and meditating on the Word of God. And I know I've never preached this before, so let me just tackle it for a little bit. <laughs> Pastor, why are you always talking about the Word of God? Why are you always talking about the Bible? Well, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal, and it'll, it'll change your life if you let it. Ed Stetzer says, according to the American Bible Society, 87% of American households own a Bible. The average household has three Bibles available. But the problem is this. Most Americans have access to a Bible they don't read. 
Before Friday, I had wireless internet in my house. Before Friday, I had a television that worked. I had access to channels. I had a telephone that actually plugs into the wall. Remember those? So, it's, it's a better package deal, right? Okay, you get it. But it doesn't work anymore. I used to have access, but I can't access it any longer. The deal is, all of us have access to the Word of God. And if we don't access it, we're foolish. Listen to this. Stetzer says, just 11% have read the entire Bible. Only 11%. And the majority of Americans surveyed have read no more than several passages or stories. Even more shocking is that only about a third would describe the Bible as true. While 56% describe it as a good source of morals. So because of this, Americans have reached some interesting theological conclusions. 64% of Americans say God accepts the worship of all religions. 52% believe that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Instead of the son of the living God. 56% agree with this statement. The Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. And because we don't know the Bible, we can come up with our own God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, one to our liking, right? Because it's all about me. One that includes my personal opinion and what our culture says is okay. So the question becomes, can you truly have a relationship with someone you don't know or understand? And we as the church of the living God, we as the family of God, have got to saturate ourselves with the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. You see, everyone has an opinion, but our life has to be based on the everlasting Word of the living God. His Word will bring growth in our lives. His Word is truth. His Word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. His Word pierces through the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It divides. It judges the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. His Word is not just words on paper. It's the living Word of God. It has the power to change your life. And it will make you grow if you'll ingest it on a daily basis. In Romans chapter 3, Paul the Apostle said this, True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. There's no question here. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say and you will win your case in court. His word is true. But here's what happens to so many of us. and It's just captured in Luke 8, 14, really concisely. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. We hear the word of God, and yet we get so 
tied up with all this stuff that really, in the light of eternity, doesn't matter all that much. And our focus gets off. And so all of a sudden, we find ourselves not growing, not maturing, not being who God designed us to be. We get distracted by the things of life. We lose sight of what's most important. We don't grow. And, and we've got to receive that engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls and cause the growth within us to happen. We need to know what God's promised so we can step into all that he has for us. We don't want to stay where we're at, do we? I mean, do we really want to stay where we're at and, and just continue to the status quo of our life? You know God has placed something deeper inside of you. One last scripture before we close. Before God gives Joshua one of the most popular commands in Scripture, which is be strong and courageous, right? Before he says that to Joshua, he delivers this, this perspective-shifting promise. It's found in Joshua 1.3. God says to Joshua, I promise you. Now, when God says, I promise you, you can count on it. You can take that to the bank. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. I promise you, same thing I said to Moses, I promised him, wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I've given you. Now, notice this. Notice God uses future tense for Joshua's steps, right? But he's using past tense for Joshua's inheritance. I've already given it to you. All you've got to do is take that present tense step and walk on what I've already promised you. I told you I've given it to you. It's yours but you've got to step out and take it. And you can't know what God has for you if you don't get into his word. His promises are yes. And we get to say amen as we step in. Amen. Wow. God says yes. And we go, oh, amen. Yes. Amen. And we start taking steps into what God has for us but if you don't know what God has for you, just like the kid making mud pies, you just stay there the rest of your life. Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. Mud pies. Yeah. And God says, I got so much for you. It's like the guy that went on the cruise and, and everybody else is eating. He's got crackers and cheese in his, in his room. And he's eating crackers and cheese every day because he didn't have enough money. He bought the ticket, but he didn't have any money for food. But what he doesn't know is, food's included. You can have everything you want as many times as you want. Keep ordering. Get room service. You get it all. It's all inclusive. And yet he's sitting in his little room, 
eating crackers and cheese, and I'm about to run out of the cheese, so I better save some of that for tomorrow. And some of us, that's how we're living in the kingdom of God. And God says, I got so much for you. And if you'll just realize it and accept it, wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. The key to stepping into what God has for us is knowing what God has for us. And as we know, we grow. Hallelujah. Stand with me, would you? There's another way to grow, and it's simply this. It's to talk to him. If you're going to grow in a relationship, you got to talk to him, right? How many of you know that you can't really have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to? Huh? I mean, God speaks to us through his word, and we talk to him through prayer. And then we listen. That still small voice. This week, Friday, Friday afternoon, before our power went out, I'm, you know, finishing up my message and didn't really feel like I'd finished it yet. And so I said, well, I'm going to come back to it. And, and yet I had this, this sense, no, no big voice saying, Greg, it was just this sense, this quiet, the Bible says he speaks in a whisper, a still small voice. Many times it's an impression. It's it's just a nudge. It's just a nudge. And you know, I've been around my wife long enough to know when she nudges me, there's something there and I got to do it, right? Just that it doesn't take much. It can be across the room and she just glances at me. I'm like, oh, okay. I know, I know what that look is. I got that look from my parents when I was a kid. My mom and dad were on the stage in church. Dad was the preacher. My mom was the organist. And all mom would do is just look at me like, Seriously, you're going to act like that? You know what's going to happen when we get home. She didn't say any of those words. It was just the the eye. You ever got the eye? So here I am, Friday, I'm sitting at my computer, and I get this nudge. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go ahead and print that. I'm like, "Ah, I'm not done yet. You know, I had all my excuses. I'm going to come back. I'm going to work on it some more. It wasn't 30 minutes later. Power's gone. I said, well, power's going to come back on tomorrow, right? Or tonight, tomorrow. We'll be good. Well, when the power came back on, I didn't know it, but we'd lost our ability to do all that stuff. So I'm, I'm sitting there freaking out. I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get this message off of that computer and, and get it. You know, I'm not that tech savvy, but that's still small voice. And right now, some of you, God's speaking to you, and he, he's just nudging you saying, hey, you know what? It, it's time to listen. It's time to grow up. It's time to do what I've been asking you to do for so long. It's time to spend more time with me. It's time to spend time in my word. It's time 
to, to get in the house and plant yourself there so you can't be tossed about by every wind, everything that comes through. You need a, a firm foundation. So I don't know where you're at today, but I do know this. God wants you to grow. And we're all in different places, right? But God wants you to grow. And if you're willing to do that, I want you just to lift hands to heaven today. Say, God, go ahead. Grow me. Speak to me. Give me an obedient heart. Give me an obedient heart, Lord. I want, like Jesus, to obey. Thank you, Lord. Change me, Jesus. Change me from the inside out. Grow me, Lord. Grow me, Lord. Grow me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives today. I thank you, Lord, that you, you do all things well. And, Lord, you're speaking to us. In, in, even in the quiet moments of this service, you're taking us higher. You're taking us deeper. You want the best for us. And so today we just surrender ourselves to you. Lord, we want to grow. Maybe not as much as you want us to grow, but we want to grow. And so we just surrender to you. We surrender our lives to you. Say, Jesus, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. Listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment, let me... I don't want to leave this, this place today without giving you the opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because that's where it all starts. It's the beginning point of becoming what God has for you. It, it's where he, he cleanses you from all your sin, everything in your past. He wipes it away. He, the Bible says it's like he, he takes your sin and takes it as far away from you as the east is from the west never to be remembered against you again. There's not a better gift in the world than that. And Jesus wants to forgive you of your sin today and give you a brand new start. And I want to offer that to you today. If that's you and you want that, I just want you to slip up a hand and we're going to pray together. God's going to, going to, he's going to cleanse your life and give you a brand new start today. Yep. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. Someone else, you want this brand new start? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, pray with your mouth. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now, and I thank you for this free gift of salvation. I thank you that you are changing me. You're taking away the, the, the pain of sin, and you're giving me a brand new start. 
And so I declare today that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, you raised him from the dead. And your word declares that I'm saved. I'm a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. I got a brand new start. And I thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you for taking my sin far away from me. Never going to remember it again. Thank you, Lord. You're an awesome God. And I love you. And I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow in the house of the Lord. I'm going to grow in the family of God. I'm going to grow daily in your word. I'm going to grow in my prayer life with you. I love you, Lord.